Hey, what's happening? And welcome to another episode of the GCSAA podcast presented in partnership with our friends at Bear Environmental Science. I'm your host, Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of GCM Magazine. And as always, I'm excited you've taken a little time to join us for what I think is another excellent episode of this podcast. If you haven't already, I would ask and encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever it is you get your podcast, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play, wherever that happens to be. And also go ahead and rate and review the podcast on those services. It really does help the cause when you do those things. So please subscribe, rate, and review if you can. On this month's episode, we've got a pair of great conversations for you. First off, we will talk all things National Golf Day, which is April 29th through May 1st in Washington, D.C., and we'll do that with our very own Hava McKeel, GCSAA's Director of Government Affairs. Hava has been a part of all 12 National Golf Days, and she plays an integral role in the uh, overall planning of the event with leaders from all over the golf industry, so we'll get some great insights uh, from Hava on all the things that are going to be happening in D.C. from the GCSAA Government Affairs Committee meeting that kicks things off to the community service project that's become such a big part of the event, uh, as well as, of course, the lobby day itself on Capitol Hill. So if you have an interest in politics and government affairs and uh, and all the things that GCSAA does on behalf of its members in those areas, I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation with Hava McKeel. Then we'll have a conversation that I recorded actually on location at the LPGA Tours ANA Inspiration a few weeks back at Mission Hills Country Club in Rancho Mirage, California. And we will talk with John Miller. John serves as the tour agronomist for the LPGA Tour. And John and I dive into exactly uh, what that means, what he does in that role, uh, what tournament prep looks like from the uh, LPGA Tours point of view, and, and kind of how he works with and interacts with host superintendents uh, in his role with the LPGA. Um, And for those of you that know John, know this, John comes from a long line of superintendents, a family, uh, really, of superintendents in the state of Ohio. And he actually spent some time working for us here at GCSAA as a field staff representative. So he's someone who is very, very entrenched in the business, and I think you're going to enjoy my chat with John Miller from the LPGA Tour. As I mentioned earlier, this podcast would not be possible without the support that we receive from the good folks at Bear Environmental Science. As you most likely know, Bear is a company committed to helping its customers thrive through a combination of great technical expertise and innovative solutions like the company's StressGuard fungicide products. To learn more about Bear and the StressGuard product line, head on over to environmentalscience.bear.us slash StressGuard. That's environmentalscience.bear.us slash StressGuard. So with that, we are off and rolling with this episode of the GCSA podcast, and we will start off with our discussion of National Golf Day with GCSAA's Hava McKeel. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, well, we're excited to have uh, someone who has beaten me in tenure here at GCSA by just a few years, or a few year, a year, I guess, really. Um, and that is Hava McKeel. Hava is uh, GCSA's Director of Government Affairs, and one of the biggest events on the uh, I know on our calendar, and and certainly growing in the golf industry uh, calendar, uh, is upcoming. So we wanted to have Hava on to talk about uh, National Golf Day. Hava, how are you today? 
I'm doing really good. Great. Getting all the last minute preparations for our favorite week of the year. That's uh, right. We are lies this week. That's right. We're not we are not far from National Golf Day uh, twenty nineteen. It's April 29th through May first in Washington, DC. Um, and we'll talk about each of these uh, individual uh, pieces, at least as they uh, pertain to GCSAA. But uh, the Government Affairs Committee uh, meeting the, the actually the 28th and 29th of April, uh, the Community Service Project on the National Mall. I know that's a personal favorite of mine and yours as well. Uh, that is April 30th. And then the Lobby Day itself uh, on Capitol Hill is May 1st. And uh, I'll reference this site a couple of times. But if you want more information on um National Golf Day, please go to gcsa.org slash advocacy slash get involved slash National Golf Day. And there are hyphens uh, just to complicate things when I read it um, between get involved and between National Golf Day. Um, as I said, Hava has been, uh, of, is a veteran of uh, GCSA, has been with the association uh, 22 years, started in December of 1998. Uh, in her current role as the Director of Government Affairs for seven years since 2012, uh, Hava directs and manages the programs and activities of the Government Affairs Department at GCSA and helps to advance the overall image of superintendents in the industry through that service, uh, provides regulatory compliance information to GCSA members uh, to help establish them as experts on managing risk at facilities and has a... Uh, uh, bachelor of Science degree in political science and geography from the nearby University of Kansas and spent some time uh, with the Kansas State Senate. So again, Hava, welcome. And uh, I'll just let you start. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners will know what National Golf Day is. They will they will have some experience with it, whether they read about it in, the, in GCM, whether they saw some stuff uh, through social media, uh, whether they took part themselves. But for the uninitiated, why don't you just start by uh, kind of telling us what is National Golf Day, a little history of the event, why it's become such a, a, a big part of, of what we do here at GCSA, GCSAA and what you do uh, with the government affairs team. Wonderful. Um, the National Golf Day event is a really important event for GCSAA specifically, but the entire golf industry, which comes together collectively under a coalition called We Are Golf. So previously, the golf industry has been stigmatized. Um, sort of seen as a sin industry by some members of Congress, um, members of the media, some members of the public. And that made its way that discrimination against the industry into specific pieces of policy. And that's both under a Democratic and a Republican administration. So National Golf Day is all about coming to Washington, D.C., all pieces and parts of golf, and purely providing education to our policymakers who make very important decisions about the health and the viability of golf facilities around the country. So we go there to share the story of golf. We talk about the values of golf, whether that is from an economic perspective and as an environmental steward, the charitable contributions the game provides, um, nationally, just the social, the health, the recreational benefits of golf. And we go there to be on a level playing field with other industries in the country, not looking for special favors, but it's purely um, an educational forum for us to not only help 
educate policymakers on who the game of golf really is, what it stands for, what proper golf professional land management is, golf course management, but also to talk about specific issues that Congress might be working on right now that's going to impact a facility. So that's kind of at a real high level why we're there. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll get into a little of the specifics of some of the things that uh, uh, the GCSAA contingent in uh, Washington, D.C. will be bringing uh, in front of lawmakers and regulators um, in a little bit. Um, but why don't you give, a, give listeners just a little idea of the scope of this event, the numbers of people involved. Um, this is uh, the 12th year of National Golf Day. Obviously, it has... Um, it's changed quite a bit since that that inaugural one, and the and the participation uh, from throughout the industry has really grown. But just um, a couple of numbers that maybe stand out to you to best illustrate how you know how significant this event has has become for the golf industry. Well, I've been to all twelve events, and for the first few years, we were at about thirty people coming annually, and then all of a sudden, it kicked up to sixty <laughs> for a couple years. And then it's just growing by leaps and bounds these last few years. So, Scott, this year we are at 275 people overall participating in this event. Um, 153 of that 275 are affiliated with GCSAA. So, the GCSAA delegation makes up about 56% of the, the delegation. Wow. And to put that into perspective... The um, the hundred other hundred and twenty two attendees that come are comprised of forty eight other groups. Wow! So we have a small contingency that comes from PGA, the LPGA, the USGA, a larger group that comes from the um, CMAA, the National Golf Course Owners. And then a whole smattering of all sorts of other golf-affiliated organizations that participate. So we are up that this 275 has broken all records. And uh, it's just very exciting. Do you want me to share with you some of the numbers in terms of lobby day? And- yeah, yeah. Just I think listeners would be interested in, in so what are those 275 doing and, and in particular what the GCSAA group uh, is taking part in. And there's a, there's just so many uh, congressional visits and various things. So I, those numbers are definitely interesting. Yeah. So the event, like Scott shared, is a two-day event that starts on Tuesday at the Community Service Project on the National Mall. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, But then on Lobby Day, Wednesday, that's where the attendees go to Capitol Hill to uh, participate in actual meetings with members of Congress. So here's some pretty amazing statistics on that. This year, we have 199 different uh, participants going to Capitol Hill to, to do meetings, and that represents 40 of our 50 states. Wow. We have separate meetings in 158 house districts. And then we have, we're going to be going to 80 of the 100 Senate offices. So in all of that, we're um, scheduling meetings right now in 238 offices. So it's really a, a, a pretty big spread that, yeah. you know, on Capitol Hill. Yeah, and I, you know, having, I haven't done all 12 like you have. I have been, I believe, to eight or nine um, in, in my role, whether it's covering it for the magazine, providing uh, some communications assistance on, on site. And I, I will tell the listeners that 
that, that Capitol Hill definitely knows that golf is in town uh, on National Golf Day. And, and obviously, we're not alone as, as an industry that goes and, and has a, a lobbying day uh, in D.C. to connect with lawmakers. But um, I know uh, over the course of time and the, and the experiences that I have had that the, the people on Capitol Hill almost look forward to this event, and, and they have grown in their acceptance um, of what we're bringing to the table and what we're trying to educate and inform them on. Um, and I'm sure you, you have seen that. And well, you have, you have run in uh, different circles, obviously than I have uh, there. And um, I'm certain over those 12 years, you've noticed a, a, a big difference in how our message and how our people are being accepted on Capitol Hill than when we first started way back when. Well, I, I've seen a huge shift from the first few years of us putting on this event to golf yeah. Why why exactly are you guys here, you know, and gals? But what what why do you need to be here? And now it's like welcomed, you know, uh, the doors are opening, they they welcome us. Um Scott, they understand that um we're an important part of the conversation when they're dealing addressing with um issues such as environmental issues issues of um, availability of workers. Um, We're small businesses. I think over 90% of of golf facilities in the country are considered a small business. They understand that we make up an important uh, piece of the the economy and and, in communities we're very important. So um, I'm just seeing a much more welcoming environment and especially in a lot of the issues that Congress is focused on now I'm seeing that I can just think of like Waters of the United States rule, the, the rewrite of the clean, the clean Water Act and the foundational definition of that. They welcome having a broader perspective about how issues are impacting their constituencies back home. So it's, it's really wonderful. Um, to see that, yeah, it, yeah, and and it, and again, it, it is noticeable, just as noticeable as golf's presence is on Capitol Hill this day. It's also very evident uh, how uh, the perception of what we're trying to accomplish there has changed among those lawmakers. So we'll come back a little bit, and we'll and we'll talk some specifics about some of the issues that we that are going to uh, be addressed there. But let's let's walk through the few days in D.C. a little bit, give listeners an idea. Uh, we don't have to spend a, a lot of time on this one, but I did, but it's certainly notable that uh, the association's government affairs. Committee uh, holds their annual uh, uh, in-person meeting in advance of National Golf Day. The members of that committee are obviously integral to the success of National Golf Day. But for people who haven't served on that committee, what what goes on at your at your meeting there? And maybe talk just a little bit about the role uh, that those committee members will play in National Golf Day. Well, the Government Affairs Committee at GCSAA serves a critical role for the association and its members because. Their primary charge is to help the association and staff in in my department um, understand what the critical issues are that are facing golf. So one of their primary charges, you know, annually is to develop what we call our priority issues agenda. So we need to know where our staff going to focus their time, their energies, their resources. And so that is a document that's produced, lives on our website. It's approved by our board of directors. Our focal areas are water and pesticides, fertilizers, um, labor, immigration, um, the value of golf itself. So these, this is where we focus our time and attention. Now, not only do does the Government Affairs Committee 
um, help us uh, define what the issues are of importance, but they also then help us um, develop the strategic programs that we offer through the, the department that help us advance just golf course management overall, such as like our grassroots ambassador program, the new GCSA political action committee that we launched. They help us um, move those programs forward. Specifically, their role in coming to Washington is uh, this year is to have a lot of good conversations um, about some of the programs that we offer. Should uh, let's take the grassroots ambassador program. It's been in existence since July of 2014, and it's a very successful program. But the conversation this year is: should we open up? the ambassador spots to members of GCSA other than our class ABC members. Right. So we also know across the country that our members on the ground are dealing with significant challenges in terms of input use. Right. Um, there, the the war quote yeah. <laughs> the war on inputs is ongoing, and we want to have a strategic conversation with our committee members this year about what are the immediate and long-term resources that we can provide our GCSA membership to help them navigate through these types of um, challenges that they face on the ground. So lots going on um, at the committee meeting. We're talking about advocacy involvement, more involvement by our chapters, and how can we get our chapters more involved Um, We're getting ready to release um, some new a new area of the under the chapter resources section of GCSAA that's specifically targeted at chapters, which provides BMPs for advocacy and getting chapters more involved. So we're going to talk about um, putting some more meat behind the bones on that. Um, There's just there's they're basically helping us advance a lot of our and enhance a lot of our existing programs um, that we that have come into fruition in the last few years to help us raise our profile right. around the country and have a stronger voice as an industry. Yeah, I, I think it's instructive uh, that when when the association makes these uh, decisions, this isn't staff sitting here in Lawrence, Kansas, making these without without input from the membership. This is uh, these are member driven. Um, uh, priority issue agendas that, that are being put together and, and really the members and the needs of superintendents on the ground are what are driving these things. And so I, I appreciate you taking a little time just to kind of walk people through kind of what might be the the, the uh, nuts and bolts of, uh, of how a committee here works and the role that they play, because especially in your area, I- extremely valuable. Um, before we, before we, you hit Capitol Hill before everyone hits Capitol Hill on National Golf Day. Gets to have a little bit of fun, actually, and, and really, and really do do a, a really uh, do some good some good work uh, to help uh, the DC area, and that's through the Community Service Project. Um, it's something I know is near and dear to your heart, and I'll let you brag on yourself a little bit on that. Um, but uh, maybe uh, give folks a little bit of the background of the Community Service Project, uh, its origins, how it became a part of this National Golf Day, the few days in DC, uh, and kind of what uh, what everyone's going to be doing uh, uh, this year on the National Mall. Well, this was absolutely a dream come true of mine, uh, sort of like Tiger Woods winning the Masters yeah. <laughs> yesterday. I know I'm still wiping away the tears yes, from that's that. Right. Awesome. Um, about five years ago, I was standing on top of um, the hill at the um, Arlington National Cemetery. And I was a team captain there for the community service project that the National Association of Landscape Professional hosts annually. Mm -hmm. They've been... 
doing a community service project out at Arlington for almost 20 some years. Wow. And so I was standing out on the hill, literally overlooking the cityscape of Washington. And it dawned on me, why in the world golf that gives back so much year to year, 3.9 billion coming off of just golf events for charities. Why wouldn't we do something like that as part of National Golf Day? Um, Why wouldn't we give back to this great city that we all love, our nation's capital? So, of course, (laughs) when, you know, I started coming back to headquarters and noodling on this and trying to figure out a path forward, because I like to, you know, I like my dreams to come true. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we started investigating opportunities around Washington, D.C. To, to be able to do this. And we explored a lot of different options, but this is the one that just the cream that rose to the top. And thankfully, because Mike Stakowitz from the National Park Service, a former GCSAA member, uh, current golf course superintendent, um, was managing the the National Mall footprint. It was just a perfect fit. Right. And right next to the U.S. Capitol building. Um, so the proximity of the event was really uh, perfect as well. It was just a perfect fit for us to be able to take the skills that the superintendents have and the and those in golf to be able to come there and help um, Michael out since he had just completed um, a multi-year, multi-million dollar project to put new turf down um, on, on the National Mall. So it was really about helping him um, pres- preserve and protect right. that, that project that, that had um, taken place. So the, nation- the community service project at the National Mall is certainly a highlight of the year. It's a highlight of this event annually, uh, if you, especially if you go talk to the members who've participated in it. It's on its third year, and it too is growing. Right. So we had right. 100 people year one. Um, last year, we had clo- up almost 180, maybe 170 people, and we have over 200 people coming this year. And so the first two years that we participated in this event, we actually did turf restoration projects um, and maintenance of the of the National Mall between the U.S. Capitol Building and the Washington Monument, and so we did a lot of mowing and aerating and overseeding, uh, cleaning of benches and trash cans and pulling rocks out of grates. Yeah, that 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 was that was fun. That was my job. Last that was year. your job. Yep. Great, <laughs> and that and that was a lot of fun uh, for our members. But we are really taking it up a notch this year. Um, we have decided to flip the project over to the west side of the mall. The projects will take place between the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument. Okay. So we've got 20 separate projects going on, 21 team captains trying to orchestrate this whole thing. (laughs) And just let me give you a little flavor of what we're doing. Um, probably the most unique and exciting and important project of all is getting about 60 people to lay an irrigation installation, uh, install an irrigation line wow. down the entire reflecting pool. Oh, wow. I know. This is mm. going to be off the charts. Mm. Then we've got um, a mowing crew, overseeding crew over at Lincoln Memorial. We've got another crew at Lincoln Memorial. They're going to be pruning. All the shrubs around the perimeter of Lincoln Memorial. We've got a whole lawn renovation project going on by Washington Monument. We've got a giant perennial planting project over at Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. I think we've got 30 people on that one. Wow. We've got a huge mowing crew and a general cleanup crew over by Vietnam Veterans Memorial. Mm -hmm. 
We've got the planting, some plantings and bed maintenance going on at the World War II monument. We've got a complete renovation project on the east end of the JFK hockey field. We've got this interesting GPS tree inventory project going on wow. that Michael really needs help with. He, he doesn't have a really good GPS mapped out tree inventory of the National Mall, and that's going to help him with future pruning projects. Yeah. So he's going to have a crew out there that's going to have an app downloaded, you know, on their phone that helps them, to, you know, keep track of all the trees. Wow. Two more here. A sod install, a sod installation project's going on at the polo field. Okay. And then finally, at the German-American Friendship Garden, there's some bed maintenance going on there. So you got 200 people spread out over a giant footprint wow. doing significant that, projects on all your major monuments. Yeah, that is, that is, that stepped up from, uh, uh, from previous years. So, and it, again, it's, that is, it's such a, such a fun event. You really do feel, and, and you actually, and the event is really contributing, uh, to the betterment of the National Mall. And, and like you, I know Michael just could not, uh, be more appreciative of, of, of what this event has brought to him in terms of the things he's able to accomplish that otherwise just simply would not, would not get done. So, uh, so kudos, kudos on that. That'll be a, that'll be an outstanding event. Um, Let's move on over to Lobby Day just very briefly. Um, we, we mentioned the congressional the meetings with uh, representatives and senators that will take place um, th- throughout the day. Um, there are there are other events. There's a big uh, group photo, obviously, to start the day uh, in the uh, Rayburn House office building and the foyer of that building. There are some uh, displays, uh, various golf related displays, um, including one that I know will uh, uh, help educate uh, folks on the first green program. Um, but uh, maybe let's maybe just give us a couple of the key issues that the GCSAA contingency will be bringing forth uh, with lawmakers when they go through these meetings on, on lobby day itself. Okay. Well, we actually have this really nifty congressional lead behind packet and it provides one cheaters on all the values of golf, which I mentioned earlier. Um, beyond that, we also have three, um, issue pagers, we call them. So we're going to be focused in three different areas in 2019. Number one, on some labor and and, uh, labor and business issues that are in conversations right now on the Hill. We're also going to be talking some environmental issues specifically with members of Congress. And then finally, we're going to be uh, talking about support for the FIT Act. So I'll just briefly breeze through some of those things to give you an idea. When we talk about business and labor issues, we're going to be specifically talking about the H-2B visa program and trying to find some meaningful H-2B relief, um, cap relief for that program through the upcoming um, appropriations process. So, we know that a lot of golf courses around the country are using, uh, have a need for H-2B workers. We know that the number of visas is not sufficient. And so we need to increase the number of visas that are allocated annually to that program. We'll be on the Hill making that case. Okay. We also are going to be talking just briefly about the overtime pay rule. So the Obama administration put out a rule that define what the threshold pay was in terms of if you pay overtime or not, or how much you, you know, who do you pay overtime to? What's that level? Right. That particular rule um, went away 
and is no longer, but the Trump administration has come out with their own overtime pay rule. And we're very supportive of that um, rule, and the whole golf industry together will be submitting comments on that here shortly to the Department of Labor. Um, But we're going to go there and talk to them about what we'd like to see in a final rule that comes out of the Department of Labor regarding overtime pay. Um, I would just say on the environmental side, I'm pretty excited about what we're going to be talking about this year because when we went to the Hill last year, we went there to try to get language included in the farm bill, the five-year farm bill that was being passed by Congress that would put, put the explanation point on why it's important for Congress to provide uh, uh, dollars for federal or turf grass research. Right. Why is it important to provide federal dollars for turf grass research around the country? And we were successful in, in getting Congress to pass the Farm Bill with that language in it. So now there is the authorizing language in, in the Farm Bill for research dollars, more research dollars to go towards uh, turf grass research. We're going to go to Capitol Hill this year and make a specific ask. We're asking for $3 million dollars to be put into that bucket. So um, finally, you know, we want to talk to our members of Congress about WOTUS, the Waters of the United States rule. The comments on the revised um, definition of WOTUS, they're actually due at midnight tonight. (laughs) So not only have I been working with my team on producing this five-day event, but also working with the rest of golf and and particular the environmental programs team here at GCSAA to put in a set of strong comments to the EPA, to the Army Corps of Engineers about what we want that definition to look like so that it protects golf, but also protects the environment. So those comments are going into the docket tonight, and we're going to want to talk with our members of Congress on Capitol Hill about what those comments are and our support for this current rule. So wow, tax day and the comment day. All, t- all together. It's, yeah. a, it's an exciting day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, and our notebook goes into production in the morning, so right. we got a lot of irons in the fire. That's right. Well, I won't, I won't keep you then much longer uh, tethered to the microphone and headphones here, but I did before we, before we ended. Um, uh, clearly, you, you've got a great team working uh, with you and for you, uh, not just on National Golf Day, but on all sorts of government advocacy and government affairs issues, and so I'll give you a chance to, to brag just a little bit, uh, kind of uh, tell folks about the team we have in place here. And, the, and just briefly the work that they do um, for, for you and for the association. Well, I regularly ter- share with my team that I'm just the orchestra conductor. I'm the one that stands at the podium and just makes sure that everything keeps moving forward. That's right. And we have a lot going on. I, 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 I like to be a visionary and I like to dream big and, and, and think, where are we going, guys? You know, we're looking to the future and what can we do to strengthen GCSA and its members and help provide them the resources we need. But I, I can't do anything without my team, a strong team, and I absolutely have that. We have Bob Helland out in Washington, D.C. full time. He's our man on Capitol Hill. So for all those issues that I listed that are in the priority issues agenda, he is hitting the pavement of Capitol Hill year, Capitol Hill, Hill year round for our members, talking to them about the importance of those issues to our industry, why they matter to us, um, you know, and, and trying to talk to policymakers about what our needs are. And he does just an outstanding job out there. You've got Michael Lee, our government affairs manager here in Lawrence with me full time. 
he's not only, you know, keeping track of what's going on in all 50 states, which is no small task in the state legislatures, but he's also running our grassroots ambassador program, which is a very proactive program that builds the buddy system between superintendents, assistants, and members of Congress. So Michael's been here um, for three years and we have a hundred, no, 353 now grassroots ambassadors paired up with members of Congress, building strong relationships with them. And I just, I couldn't be more proud of the work that our teams do in year year round to help, you know, meet the GCSA mission. Yeah, that's a a great team. Um, uh, I'm going to unfortunately miss being with you all in in DC this year, uh, previous business uh, commitments that I that I but it, it's always one of my favorite events. I'm glad some other folks get to be there, and I and I wish you guys all the best. I know it's gonna you're gonna knock it out of the park as you as you always do. Um, again, it's National Golf Day 2019, uh, April 29th through May 1st in our nation's capital, Washington D.C. For more information, head on over to gcsa.org/advocacy/get-involved/nationalgolfday. Don't forget those all important hyphens between the last two there. Hava, thank you for your time today. Uh, best of luck. Good luck with your taxes and good luck with the WOTUS uh, comments in addition to National Golf Day. Thank you very much for having me. Happy to do it. Thanks. Well, my thanks once again to Hava McKeel for taking some time during what is an extremely busy time of year for her and the rest of the uh, government affairs team here at GCSAA as they prepare for the upcoming National Golf Day activities in Washington, D.C. And as I mentioned uh, during our conversation, I've been lucky enough to attend a number of National Golf Days. I actually went back and counted uh, after my interview with uh, Hava, and I've been to 10 of the uh, 12 uh, National Golf Days, unfortunately not attending this year. But uh, I will tell you that if you ever have an interest and, and really the the ability to attend, I can't recommend it uh, anymore. It's really a great chance to learn more about how our government works, kind of the links that golf goes to to re- represent those of us in the industry on Capitol Hill. And it really does make a difference. So again, if, if it's anything you have an interest in, can't recommend it more highly. Thanks again to Hava McKeel. So before we move on to our conversation with Mr. John Miller, uh, just a word from our presenting partners on this podcast, the good folks at Bear Environmental Science. If you've listened to last month's podcast, you'll remember uh, the great conversation that we had with uh, Dr. Paul Giordano. Uh, Paul is Bear, uh, the Bear Green Solutions Team Specialist and also Dr. Shenzi Zhang, Bear Product Development Manager. If uh, you didn't get a chance to hear that, I'd highly recommend going back and getting a chance to check those out out because um, uh, our conversation really gave us a great chance to kind of delve into a little bit about those two careers, how they got started in turf, kind of how they came to work for Bayer. And really more specifically, we dug into the science behind the extraordinary results that superintendents are getting with Bayer's line of stress guard fungicides. And as a company, uh, you know that Bayer is dedicated to helping customers thrive through this great combination of technical expertise and innovative solutions uh, that come together to help superintendents maximize turf quality and make their jobs easier. Uh, And if you want to learn more about Bayer and how stress guard fungicides redefine ordinary, head on over to environmentalscience.bear.us slash stress guard. Again, that is environmentalscience.bear.us slash 
Stress Guard, and that is S-T-R-E-S-S-G-A-R-D. So our thanks, as always, to everyone at Bear for their support of this podcast. With that, let's dive right into our second segment on this month's episode, and that's our conversation with LPGA Tour agronomist John Miller, one we recorded on location at Mission Hills Country Club in Rancho Mirage, California, during the week of the LPGA Tour's A&A Inspiration. Hope you like it. Welcome back, and we are excited to be uh, on the ground in in the desert. We are in Rancho Mirage, California, Mission Hills Country Club, 54-hole facility, and their Dinosaur Tournament course this week is playing host to the first major of the golf season, of the professional golf season, the ANA Inspiration on the LPGA Tour, and excited to be spending a few minutes with... Uh, the head agronomist for the LPGA Tour uh, and a friend of GCSA. I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, remember him, John Miller. John, great to see you uh, here this week, and thanks for taking some time to talk with us. Thanks, Scott. It's great to be here. Um, first off, I'm, I'm, I know that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with what a tour agronomist does, but um, I know that your role with the LPGA Tour might be might differ a little bit from, from what they might be used to hearing about on the PGA Tour or the Green Section Agronomy Team or the USGAs. But um, when you have the elevator speech, you have to tell folks what it is that you do. Um, what is the job of the LPGA Tour agronomist? Well, I kind of look at it as I have two jobs. Number one is to, to work with the superintendent, prepare the golf course to meet the LPGA standards. But the second is also to serve as a liaison between the rule staff and the superintendent on the agronomic side, just to kind of help them better understand what we're trying to do, what our capabilities are, where our limitations are, if we do have the limitations, uh, and just kind of work with them to make sure that we can make the tournament the best that it possibly can be. Uh, what what is a we'll take it just from I guess a single event perspective? What does a typical run up um, to a typical event look like for you? How often are you visiting in advance of the tournament? Do you do, arrive on advance week? What are you doing week of the tournament? A lot depends upon the tournament site and the specific needs of the tournament. There are some where I'll make an advance week uh, or advance visit about six weeks out, uh, communicate with the superintendent two or three times in between, and then. Uh, talk to him during the tournament via phone, via email, whatever it might be. Uh, there's others where I'm actually make my six week advance. I'll come back for advance week and on site tournament week. That's usually the majors, but we do have a couple other events that, that I will um, do that same schedule on as well. And then it's almost everything in between. For a new event, uh, which we do have a couple new events on our schedule this year, I'll make a, a pre advance visit and then my advance visit, and then tournament week for those new sites. So it's kind of all over the board a little bit. So how much are you on the road uh, in your current role? And I know the LPGA Tour has a number of stops to start their season overseas. Do you spend time overseas as well? I do spend some time overseas, but most of my overseas travel is in the fall and not so much in the spring. Um, It's usually via email. Uh, Every once in a while, a telephone call in the spring for our events over there. Um, Our first two events this year were in Australia, so not much contact there because we were not the major sponsoring body of those events. Then we get into Singapore and Thailand. That was all done via email. And then in the fall, once we start back, then I'll be making some of those trips while I'm over there because we actually have a a big project going on in uh, Busan, South Korea. And I, and I know you just you've mentioned to me before we started recording that you have been on the road for a couple three weeks now. You had, uh, I guess, an event in Phoenix, and then you were at the uh, the Kia event in yes. uh, 
uh, San Diego area, the Aviara, correct? That's correct. And yeah. so were you on the ground for, for all three of those events? I was not at, at Phoenix. Okay. Um, I actually had gone to Aviara because Aviara would have been tournament week in Phoenix. So advanced week in Aviara, right. I was there uh, getting that, helping get that golf course ready. And then I stayed through Tuesday of tournament week at Aviara, came here to, to Mission Hills for our rest of our advanced week here. And then I'll be here through the end of the tournament this week. Um, I, I know a lot of people would probably be curious about the relationships that, that uh, agronomists who represent the various tours have with, with host superintendents. Um, um, there might be perceptions that you know, you're coming in or, or your counterparts on the PGA Tour and saying, do it this way, do it that way. Um, I know in my experience, that's not how those relationships go. What's your ultimate goal when you are working with superintendents and, and trying to form relationships and... Um, come up with the best possible solution for playing conditions and for the LPGA Tour? Well, I think what we what I try to look at is what does the superintendent, what's his current program, what's he doing, and how can I help him make his program or her program better? And, and that's kind of the way that I view it. And, and when I'm on site with different things, they kind of see, oh, you know what? I've looked at that problem. And, and I, when I was a superintendent, I did the same thing. You, you drive by it every day and you see it. But yet, all of a sudden, you get a fresh set of eyes on it, and right. they bring that to you to light. And it's, oh, yeah, well, I do need to take care of that. So it's it's from that perspective to, to kind of reinforce some of the things that they've seen that they know they need to get done, but then also work within their program, adding a couple things, taking a couple things away that make their golf course better. Now, here at Mission Hills, I, I've been fortunate to be out the last couple of mornings seeing you out and about. Um, you're doing some stint meter readings. You're doing moisture mm -hmm. uh, firmness testing as well, kind of working with rules official. What's your day-to-day -day during a tournament uh, week like? Um, I, and I'm sure it probably differs between Monday and Tuesday and Thursday, Friday, Saturday yeah. and things like that. Well, the, the, the big thing is to take those readings in the mornings and the afternoons so that we know are, are we going in the direction that we want to go. And then it's, it's providing those numbers to the rules officials as well as the superintendent himself so that they, they get a feel for where we are and how are we tracking. Are, are our greens staying the same? Are we getting quicker? Are we slowing down? Are we losing speed in the afternoon? Are we getting firmer? Or, and for us, from the rules official standpoint, it's so that they can communicate that because they'll get questions from the players. And if we really don't want the rules officials to not know the answers. We want them to be able to answer the players as to what's going on. And then from the superintendent's perspective, we use that to modify our program that if we're getting too quick, we may take a roll away or we may take a cutaway. Right. Uh, we, we use that to, a, to kind of fine tune our program going forward. And then obviously the other the other key component is, you know, I'm that extra set of eyes and I'm, I'm looking at the bunkers, where the bunkers properly rake, where the rakes placed in the right spot. You know, right. what, was there some damage done to the course overnight by an animal, whatever it might be, right. that maybe somebody didn't see? So just making sure that everything stays consistent from day to day, from the beginning of tournament week all the way through the end. Yeah, and I'm sure that's something they appreciated a place a place like here. And they're fortunate here, 54 holes. They mm -hmm. have enough. They have enough full time staff. Sure. There are no volunteers assisting them uh, this week. But I would say you've got a great team to work with. Here at Mission Hills with uh, Jared Taylor, the tournament course superintendent, and then David Hay, who's certified superintendent. He's the director of agronomy here. A lot of experience. Uh, I know David, I don't know how, how many tournaments yeah. here at the ANAC he has under his belt, but a, a, a great veteran team, and I know you've got a good working relationship with those two. These guys are phenomenal. They're top-notch. Uh, it, it really is such a pleasure to come and work with them. It makes my job so easy. And, and then it's just that really the three of us huddling 
coming up with our game plan each day, and then, then they just go out and execute it. And, and we'll make mod, modest changes. You know, it could be that, like I said, throwing a roll out or, or adding a roll, doing something like that. But we'll communicate, and I'll get their input on it and say, hey, you know, if we if we decide to make this change, what do you guys think will happen? Will we see the improvement we want? Do we need to make a different change? But it's all about us working together, and, and right. they know their golf course because they live it 24-7, 365. So I, I really value their input. And then, obviously, with me being at, at so many different tournaments and seeing so many different tournament conditions, we put our, our heads together, and we come up with a solution that works. Uh, what are the uh, what's the reaction you've heard from uh, players though so far? The ones that have come through the media center and have been on it's been just over the top positive about the conditions of the course. But are you getting similar feedback in your the, conversations? Yeah, the, the feedback has been phenomenal here, uh, this, especially this week. I mean, it, feedback's always good here, but it seems like there's so many more positive comments that. That, that even players that you haven't heard from in the past are saying, wow, the golf course is really, really good. And, and in my estimation, I've been coming here now for 12 years. This is as good as I've seen this golf course. It's always good, and it's always right at the top of, of the golf courses that we play. But for this year, it's just like it's, it's over the top. It's, it's, you know, everything has come together, and, and it's peaked, and it's, it's near perfection. Well, a, a hack golfer like myself, Jared, gave me a few chances to put on a few of these greens, and they are they are pure and they are they are difficult. This is going to be a great test uh, this week, and I know we'll have it by the time most people are listening to this, we'll have a champion that they'll be able to. And uh, I will tell you that that champion will have earned uh, earned her uh, earned her championship. Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy this week, John. But just uh, we'll end with a little background on you. Tell folks about um, kind of how you got started in this business, um, and you you spent some time working with the GCSAA as one of our field staff representatives yeah. back in the day, but just a little on your background in yeah. the golf course management industry. Yeah. Well, I actually grew up on a golf course. My grandfather was a superintendent uh, for, at the same club for 40 years. Wow. My dad was a superintendent at that same club. I became a superintendent at that same club. Wow. Uh, we kind of all went through that. So, so it was kind of in my blood. And uh, it was kind of funny because I, I was just there one night. My dad was... Um, actually playing in a, in a league at this golf course when, before he was a superintendent there he was playing in a league at this golf course and I was just up on the on the putting green chipping balls I was in eighth grade just up there chipping balls on the putting green and, and the, uh, the gentleman who was managing the club come over and said I'm looking for a night waterman would you be interested he said you're out here all the time I said yeah I said I'd do that mm. and from that point on it, that was it decided that's what I wanted to do went to Ohio State got my uh, bachelor's in, in agronomy and you know never looked back uh did, a, did an extend as a superintendent there. Then actually went to become, after I was a superintendent, I went to become an assistant superintendent at a, a golf club. It was a little higher-end golf club. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved on, did two construction grow-in jobs. Uh, stayed at the same place, uh, the, the last one, uh, for 15 years after construction and grow-in. And, um, and during that time, we did five PGA Tour events on the nationwide level. Okay. Uh, well, now web.com level. And at that point, decided that, you know what, if there was ever a chance for me to do tournament golf, I'd love to do it. And fortunately, the LPGA was looking for someone. And, and my first stint at being the LPGA Grounds was actually through GCSA. That's right. So that kind of, that marriage kind of worked for a while, and then uh, it went away. But I became the, the uh, field staff rep for the, the um, Great Lakes. That's right. And we did that for five years, and then the LPGA decided they wanted me full-time, and 
I, I couldn't say no. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, and, and for those people maybe uh, who don't remember, there was a great partnership initially between GCSA and the LPGA Tour to help to help create that position that you eventually got. And uh, um, it's been a great partnership. I can tell you that myself and uh, Mike Strauss, our media relations manager, have had a chance to spend some time here uh, this week. It's been great. The, the tour is so accommodating. Um, the crew here is so accommodating. We've, we've really enjoyed it, and this is quite a spectacle and quite an uh, advertisement for uh, women's golf uh, uh, in this country. So, John, well, I will let you get back to work. Busy, a busy week for you. Um, catch some sleep and, yeah. when you can. And, um, again, thanks for taking the time, kind of talking about your, uh, your, your position. We will see you again real soon. Thank you, Scott. All right, thanks, Appreciate John. the time. Thanks for all GCSA does for the superintendents, and thanks to all the superintendents for all they do for their members and, and for the glory of the game. That's right. Thanks, John. Mm-hmm. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of the GCSA podcast. I want to thank my guest on this month's podcast, Hava McKeel, GCSAA's Director of Government Affairs, along with LPGA Tour agronomist John Miller. Also, a big shout-out goes to the producer of this podcast, Mr. Evan Bissell, for all his hard work, and also to all of our friends over at Bear Environmental Science who support this podcast as our presenting partners. We will be back next month with more on the GCSA podcast. But until then, on behalf of everyone here at GCSA headquarters in lovely Lawrence, Kansas, the nine members of GCSAA's National Board of Directors, and the more than 18,000 members of GCSA worldwide, I'm Scott Hollister. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you real soon on another episode of the GCSA podcast. Take care.